Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome to today's guest episode with Alexa Linton. Alexa is the founder of the Whole Horse Podcast, an author, an osteopath, an animal intuitive, kinesiologist, and a lifetime student. And dare we say, a total self-proclaimed nerd for all things horse. And we are totally here for that. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Alexa has an apprenticeship program and several other online programs that we will be sure to link in the show notes. All right, let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Amber and I are super excited to be introducing Alexa Linton. Thank you for joining us, Alexa. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Super happy to have you. Um, I was just saying right before we got on the call that I was hardcore fangirling. I absolutely love the whole horse podcast that Alexa has. And um, would you mind just kind of for anybody who doesn't know of your work yet, kind of um, describe like what you do. I know you're kind of like a jack of all trades, like you do osteopathy and you have your apprenticeship and cranial work and animal communication and like all the things. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about like your journey? Yeah. Yeah. I will try to keep it in a slight nutshell. Um, yeah, I'm, I think, I think that the general overview is that I am, I am very much addicted to learning. So, um, so right out of high school, I went and became a kinesiologist and then decided to pursue my passion, become, I became an equine sport therapist. And then I got like super uh, interested in energy medicine. And then that's when I started doing more of my animal communication and energy work piece. And then had sort of been like having this inkling of, you know, wanting to get back into working with manual therapy and And I'm just so geeky, like I just can't help myself. And so the osteopathy started sort of like coming in different ways. My sister had a really great experience with it. And I had a couple of amazing sessions. And um, yeah, so I just like dropped into the ultimate geekiness, which is osteopathy. And um, yeah, did a five and a half year program that finished in, I guess, December 2021 and so yeah and I'm also like computer techie geeky so hence like my online courses and my apprenticeship and um you know doing stuff in like the online space I really enjoy the ability to connect people all around the world um particularly around something that I'm you know we're mutually passionate about which is horses and horse welfare it just seemed like a really cool uh kind of bringing together of all these things so so yeah it's that's a little bit about about me and I have um two horses as I chat about them incessantly on my podcast uh Diva and Raven and they basically look alike they I have a type apparently they're both Dark, dark bays. Um, Ravens of purebred Canadian. Divas of Bertrand Morgan mare. And yeah, like I just, my life sort of, as you probably get, just rotates around these ladies and my other animals. And yeah, it's it's really quite quite a privilege to have them in my world. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny how we have types with horses. Amber and I were just talking about this because she has three tiny little redheads and I have three giant black like dark bay horses and it's just so funny (laughs) how that works out (laughs) completely I know my dark mares yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so I do actually while we're on the topic of your horses um want to ask you a little bit about them and I was so um I want to say it was maybe your episode like 95 with Susan Tenney and like mm-hmm. the, the 
moments where I like reached out to you like via Facebook and I was like, this is random, but this episode was amazing. So after listening, so for those of you who haven't listened, um, Alexa had an interview with um, someone named Susan Tenney and she talked about like identifying the element that your horse is and then certain things that can um, arise if that element is kind of like in dysfunction or imbalanced. And it was such an interesting pod that I shared all over the place because I'm like, everybody needs to do this. So I'm just curious, um, like, so Diva, would you consider her your water horse? Like kind of the horse that changed everything for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She, she just, um, turned, turned the tables on, on everything for me in my life. Yeah. So when she came into my life, I was 23 and I had just gotten out of a, of a relation, like a two and a half year relationship. I'd moved out on my own for the first time ever. Um, and I also was starting equine therapy school. It's just like, so happened. I was starting equine therapy school in September of that year. I met Diva, I think in October, um, I was leasing a horse at a barn and the Diva's um, human just happened to move all her training horses to the barn. And, you know, as life does, she became, she just was in, um, the same sphere. And it just like, so happened that, that, you know, we met and I rode her, um, and that was it. That was fate. And so there was all these pieces kind of occurring. I was also, of course, at the beginning of my spiritual journey. So this was like right at the, like the seeding time of realizing, um, that, oh, there's a lot more to me than I have ever, you know, contemplated. Um, and of course having this, this program where my teacher was sort of incognito, just like a total kind of maverick in his field. So we were learning like applied kinesiology and energy work and like flower essences, like all these things. And uh, that's where I learned about actually the constitutions as well. The elements um, was through him initially. And so he was opening up my eyes to this whole other, these other worlds. And then with Diva, our interface, um, it was, it was very challenging, our interface, because, you know, we know, I think most of us have had that experience when we have, as horse people, a horse that comes into our life, like, especially a water horse. And if you listen to this podcast, you'll get it. Um, the one that, that Shaylee's mentioning, but it's that sense of, the horse that makes you look at everything differently. And that was Diva. And so from that point on, you know, transformation is not a comfortable thing. And, and it was like all at once <laughs> at that moment. So I was pretty, I was pretty messy for a while, for a while there. Um, but it, yeah, looking back, it's like, wow, that was just so incredible to, to have that, those kind of teachers all sort of collide in the same moment in my life um, and start to open up these other worlds for me, these other ways of seeing things. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty blessed, I'd say. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's so cool how like those right place, right time connections happen. And I feel like in my animal communication sessions all the time, like I will have a horse that will be like, I chose you. And this is why I chose you. And the person will be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I wasn't going to get in the car that day. And here I was driving to the barn. And, um, I was actually just telling, um, my students the other day about my horse Biggie because I had just had a horse that passed away and I was like you know I, I really need you to like send me a sign to let me know that you're good and then you know we can go our separate ways and so he's like well I'm gonna send you a flamingo and I'm like okay well I don't like flamingos at all like I never see them <laughs> I don't have them in my experience like they're just not my vibe so I'm like I'll see that for sure and I had someone reach out to me a client where she was like can I give you this horse? I, you know, I'm just really struggling with him. I don't know where to go next. And I was on the fence, but I was like, okay, let's like, so my husband and I drove 10 hours one way to go and get him. And when I got there, 
she had flamingos all over her front yard. Like they, they were everywhere. And we stayed the night. Her towels were flamingos. The sheets of our bed were flamingos. And I had never said anything about this. And I was like, what, you know, you're in Texas, like why all the flamingos? And she's like, oh, they're my favorite bird. Like my dog collar has them on. And I'm like, wow, if this wasn't a signier sign, it's so crazy. And then I, so I bring the horse home and I did not get along with him. Like I was like, we have major personality conflicts. And he really was my first horse that, and this is recent. This is like, I, I've only had him for two years that just had a hard no and has forced me to get out of that. Like, um, he's just really changed my mindset. And what was cool about that podcast. And that's, what's so awesome about like being able to share some of this information, you know, for free through the podcast. And so many people can access it and hear it is, I received, like, I didn't realize how strong the elements could be until I listened to that and realized that he was an earth horse and that I just wasn't giving him what he needed and that he was so, you know, and then he had fecal water syndrome for a long time and I wasn't feeding him the right nutrients that would help an earth horse. So it's just, that was so cool because it's not that you have to like give people a ton of information, but just that little spark of like, Hey, this is something yeah. you should think about. And this is possible. And maybe you should go for it. And I'm like a deep diver like you too. So, um, that's, it, it is really cool how they come into our lives and then they're like, well, you're about to learn something new. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, big time. I mean, I tell the story all the time, um, about like, how I started with horses. So I grew up in Vancouver, which is like our biggest city here in British Columbia, right? And so as you can imagine, like we were in suburbia, horses are like fairly challenging to access, you know? Um, So any barn was like an hour drive away and you kind of took what you could get, you know? Like it was like, okay, like this is what it is. And it was all hunter jumper and extremely like negative reinforcement and like, and, and that was just what I knew. Um, and yeah, Diva was like my hard no horse, right? She just said, like, that won't work for me. Like, you need to figure something else out, right? And and we hear that so often of these horses coming in. It sort of just caused this pivot, you know, of, um, it, you know, real change in focus and a change in our uh, skill set as well, like expanding our skill set um, into other spaces because it just doesn't work for them. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that horse ended up with you. How's it going now? It's going good now. I've been working a little bit with um, Lockie Phillips, who is helping me. Like he's just like, oh, you're too far in the forest. Like you can't see the tree. And so he's been helping me realize like, oh, we don't have a personality conflict. He like deeply wants to engage with you. You've just got to do it this way. And I love that there's like, just going back to that online stuff where you can just engage with each other from halfway across the world and have all those like resources and stuff. And um, yeah, he's, he's definitely teaching me a lot. So Mm. we'll see how it goes in the future. But, um, speaking of like just the energetics and stuff, because Mm -hmm. I know that you're like really big into like herbal energetics too, and food and Amber knows I'm going to go here because I've been (laughs) dying about this. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I'm going here today. How do you feel about the energy because I have my own opinions but I feel like you're just such a wealth of knowledge I've been dying to ask you this question um how do you feel about like the energy that goes into food like as we're preparing it so not only like finding Mm -hmm. um because I just think about all the horses I talk to that like talk about all the supplements and the stuff that they're on and not only is some of it not aligned with their bodies and what they need but it's almost like the energy that goes into making the food is not thoughtful, if that makes mm. sense. And I'm just curious, like if you, because I feel like I set the intention when I make my horse's food that like this herb that I'm putting in is going to do a certain thing. And maybe even it's just the knowledge behind knowing what the ingredients are and what they do for the body. Like that's a piece too, mm. but do mm-hmm. you feel that there's an energetic portion that goes like beyond that? Wow. I totally, I love that question. And, I, and it's really funny because I'm 
only in this last year with my sickness, um, have I been like really, I mean, I, I knew about food and I, I, I know about nutrition and stuff, but I was like kind of a bad eater before everything happened. Right. I, I just like, I loved my junk food and, and, and I'm talking like healthy junk food, but like, I enjoyed like the occasional donut and like, you know, the other things. And I know I feel like I'm tangential, but I get, I'll get back to the point. But um, after things happened with my pancreas, it was really, I became so aware of like, I can't eat sugar anymore. I literally like will puke if I eat sugar. Like it's very unfun. Um, so, you know, my body said like, this is a hard no. Um, and I think most bodies don't do that, but because of my, um, my situation with my pancreas and things, it's like, it's quite like, um, my, my body's quite, uh, like communicative about what I'm needing, but it really helped me to realize like, okay, everything that goes into my body has a purpose and a reason. And that like, to put the good things in for me and to, to, yeah, be aware of, of, I think with horses, one of the things that we have to be aware of, and this is really interesting. Um, in the apprenticeship this year, we had Sarah Griffiths on, who's one of the formulators for adored beast apothecary. She talked a lot about like the, all the glyphosates in equine feed. And it's the same with people as well, with, you know, non-organic vegetables and things. These are things that we have to be aware of. But it really brought it home of realizing, yeah, everything that we feed our horses, it may not just be that thing. There might be additional stuff going on that we need to be aware of, right? For example, beet pulp is sprayed a lot because of its need, you know, the need for it to be test free or whatever, you know, in, in order to be consumed or, or not consumed, but to be processed. And so that's been a really interesting awareness to me is, you know, all these things that we might use as a base or, um, you know, might use as an additive or a feed or even a hay for our horses, you know, are we aware of like, if it does it get sprayed? If so, you know, what are we doing about that? Is there maybe a more organic or non-GMO source of those things that we can um, bring into our horse's world, right? Because as we realize, like I have a horse with fecal water as well, like it's those tiny things that can make a really big difference for our horses, right? And like, yeah, the intention behind it as well. Like, you know, why are we giving these things? For those kind of horses, we'll often throw a bunch of supplements at them, trying to, you know, make the spaghetti like stick on the wall, you know, like, or, you know, trying to figure it out. But actually, they're the horses that need simplicity. They're the horses that need less, right? Like we want everything that we put in their feed to be so well thought out and to be really like not taxing their bodies, not making them work harder to get the nutrients, right? And I think that's a part of what you're talking about too, is like everything is with care, you know, when you put it in their feed, it's like, okay, I know why this is here. I mean, I will muscle test literally like once a week to make sure everything needs to go in the feed that I've been putting in. The stuff will change. It'll shift. It's like, okay, today she doesn't need that. Or she needs this only, you know, once every few days, or maybe the level of minerals that she needs is a little bit less. So there's this felt sense that comes into the body of, of that um, you know, uh, you know, what is needed in there. That's the best possible thing for, for each of them. And my girls have completely different supplements. Like I mm -hmm. test for each one and they have completely different things given the time of year and what, what they're wanting and needing and what they like. Um, you know, those sorts of things all come into play for horses, you know, and you'll see it, like you'll see a horse, you'll add one supplement and they'll, you will have eaten their grain every day for two weeks before that you add one little thing in and they're like, no, no, don't want it. Right. <laughs> and that's them. Also, you know, if you see them out in the wild, they're picking the medicine, you know, they're, they've learned, their body has learned, like, I need that for this. I need this for that. Right. And so, um, I remember one amazing one was I, I used to work with flower essences and I'd have, I'd have them all in boxes, like 12 of them in a box. And I had one horse that I worked with. He was so in tune and he would literally I'd hold the boxes up in front of him and he'd touch his nose to the right box 
And then he'd like touch his nose to like where the essence generally was. And then I'd muscle test just to make sure it was like the one he wanted. Right. And then he would, I would work on him completely free. So like no halter, no lead rope. And then he would turn his body to show me like, okay, this is either in my mouth or it's on a body part. Like, so then I'd put it on the body part that he put in front of me and it was always bang on. Right. So this, the sense of like horses, animals, we have this intuition about what our body wants and needs and we're not always listening and in domestication a lot of horses lose some of that nuance but I do believe that it can come back online just like for us right yeah Yeah. mentioned um muscle testing so for the people the people that are listening I know that everyone has their own way of doing it if they're like oh I want to check in with my horse's feet or their supplements like how can I tap into that like do you have an easy way to give them or I I have an online course that I haven't announced to the public. Well, I haven't, I haven't opened up to the public recently, uh, which I plan to do. It's like on my to-do list. Um, So that's one way that I do it. Um, I also love like find a lot of horses, people, I do this in my apprenticeship. So uh, applied kinesiology is like a big part of my apprenticeship. Usually we spend about three months really diving into like this kind of work together. Um, And I find that actually a lot of horse people love pendulum work because a lot of the time we don't have someone else to test on and self-testing can feel weird. So a lot of people will actually start to learn um, more of the pendulum work and they really enjoy it. Um, So so that tends to be, yeah, I I always put that in as well with with the applied kinesiology because it's just like having something like external to you can be just nice for the human brain to, um, yeah, like see something, this is outside of me. I'm seeing like a change in it. Like it it works a little better. So, so that's the, but yeah, maybe this will be the impulse that I need (laughs) Amber to put my course up. (laughs) I'm good at that. Apparently (laughs) inspiring people to put their courses up. Yeah. Three people in the last six months are like, my course is up because of you. I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's already, it's just like the tech stuff, but you know, needs to get figured out. So, all right, we'll keep you posted on that. (laughs) But great question. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing work. Oh, that intuition piece, I feel like is so, um, is such a big part of it. And I feel like Amber and I are on like a, a pretty good friend level at this point. And I always, uh, can empathize for people who have to run a boarding barn too. And like the clients are in control of their supplements because we've had conversations where she's like, man, this, you know, I can just feel that this horse doesn't need this supplement. And yet here we are having to put it in the food every day. And so, she was just talking to me about, um, how she's tried to like, I guess like change your mindset. Right. And just be like, you know, I know what you're saying to me, but this is out of my control. Yes. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, it was that in the blanketing. Cause there's oh, yeah. here that I don't like it mine anymore. Cause for the longest time I was just like, da 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I pin your ears. And they're like, clearly like, I don't like the blanket and I'm here I am. But then Shaylee is always talking about, yeah, people ask, how does my horse feel about the blanket? And it's very clear it's a hard no. And they're like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. So we have a horse here who has told a communicator multiple times, I don't like the blanket, but she doesn't anyway. So when I have to put it on him at night, I'm like, I started just acknowledge. I used to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't have a choice. But then I started acknowledging going, you should be upset. You should no, I think that's a so that's such a critical piece. And I was going to mention that the boarding piece makes it challenging, like on a number of levels. One would be the other side of things where, say, a barn only feeds these supplements and that is it. And you can't add anything really in. Um, and also, yeah, on, on that side for you of like, OK, I feel, you know, I'm intuition. The intuition is that this is what's needed and then that's not happening. So, yeah, I can definitely it, it it's. You know, I think this is possibly one of my biggest challenges, even as an equine therapist and as an educator and things is, okay, how do I step back a little bit? And like, what do I do for these horses? You know, I have a lot of horses that I I do what's called like, or not what's called, but what I call like band-aid treatments, right? Like, I, I know that they're going to go immediately back into work that's like not good for their bodies. And I know that I have no control over their feeding or like 
you know, really anything. And it's always that question of like, what can I, what's the, the best that I can do here, I guess, is like what I always ask myself. Yeah. And like, try to just, like you say, you know, empathize with that horse or like, I see you, I see what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's challenging. And that's why I'm kind of like, so interested in the energetic piece, because part of me is like, well, everything is energy. And Mm -hmm. even if this you know food energy is not necessarily good for the horse and they've told us this and and they have to get it anyway based on whatever um if the person who has to feed it you know is just like I am intending for this to do x y or z to your body you know and setting that intention versus like oh I'm sorry and you're putting it in with like that almost like negative energy I had to learn that a little bit with my dogs because I'm a plant, I've been plant-based for a long time and I haven't had meat in my house. And, um, one of my dogs got extremely sick. I thought she was going to die. And I had to completely start feeding her raw and Mm -hmm. I was blending up all the livers and the nasties. And I just was telling myself like, Oh, this is disgusting. Like I hate that I have to do this and it's not a thing. And then one day, like she literally looked at me and was like, Hey, I love that food. Like, can you quit talking bad about it? And I was like, Oh, you're right. I've got to stop doing that. So now I'm like, thank you cow for, you know, doing the thing Mm -hmm. that you need to do so that I can feed my dogs raw and she's good and healthy. But there's just, I feel like such a big piece that, that goes into that. And just to spin on that a little bit, I'm curious, might get my head bitten off on this one a little bit by lifting. Um, what, so as a body worker, I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. like your opinion on like the different, um, not modalities, but like things that people, so like, like PEMF and Beamer and acupuncture and stuff. Like, do you, what do you find in your experience about those sort of things? Honestly, I mean, I, I'm always about collaboration, um, with everything that I do, um, and, you know, I get PMF for, for Raven. I, I recommend it to other clients for inflammation. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think it can all really work well together personally. I think it's like finding for me, it's like finding the right team for, for your horse, you know, and, and, and that sometimes is even in relationship to like, what do you have access to? Like, you know, we still live in a, in a world, you know, very much so, but even in North America, we live in a space where like, not everybody has access to body workers or like, you know, these different things. So if you can purchase yourself a, like a Beamer or whatever, it's definitely in my mind better than, you know, not having any body work or care in that way at all. Um, yeah. And I, and personally, I, I like frequency medicine. Like I, I enjoy that kind of medicine. I have like a red light pad for myself and I was supposed to take it to the barn for Raven and it's never left the house. (laughs) It's so nice on my back. Um, yeah. So I, and I have like an amethyst biomed on my treatments bed and, you know, so, I, I enjoy, um, the combination of those particular pieces. And I think they can be super valuable given what, you know, whatever's happening in certain scenarios. Absolutely. Like, you know, um, yeah, so that's, and horses, like I've found really kind of let, you know, like if it's not going to, if it's not working for them or if it's too much for them, you know, they're pretty clear about it, um, as a general rule. So yeah. So that's kind of my opinion about that. I, I don't have, um, any, like, I, I have colleagues that go out with like all their gear you know, and stuff, but I'm pretty like as a body worker, I'm, I, I guess, how do I say it? I'm kind of lazy. I, no, that's not it. But like, you know, like my friend Elise, like she assesses for like an hour and a bit, every horse, like legs and all these things. And I wish I was that person. Um, but my back is like, no, that's not how you're going to treat. So I treat <laughs> without picking up legs a lot. And I, I do a lot, you know, my teacher, Dave Collins, his thing was using applied kinesiology in conjunction in with priority testing with body work. And I, I still use that to this day. I really 
stand and listen and ask the body, where do my hands need to go? And how can I, you know, where can they support most and in what way? And um, yeah, that's, that's how I treat. I mean, obviously lots of new and different tools have come in over, over time. Um, and now with the lens of the osteopathy, I treat a little differently, but I still kind of, you know, come from that space of, um, you know, really wanting to listen to the, the order and the way that that horse, um, is, is sharing what they're, they're wanting to be worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool how there's so many things available. I, I feel a little bit conflicted when it comes to things like that, just based on my experience as a communicator. It's interesting yeah. how I will know. So like with the, the PMF, for example, like I will have, I will know if someone ha just goes and scans the entire body versus leaves it in one spot, because yep. there's something about, you know, listening to the horse and I guess that's the piece that's really important too, is like finding not only the modality that works for them, but like the practitioner yes. that understands how to hear them because they will have, you know, maybe the equipment could be beneficial, but if you have a horse that needs it in a certain area and that person just goes off of base, you know, what they learned or what they know, rather than listening to the horse, then it's, you know, not as effective. Yeah. And I think a lot of practitioners, I mean, I get treating by route as well. I do that a little bit with my human osteopathy because that's how we learn the work. I also think that as someone grows as a practitioner, there's more spaciousness for um, the, the interface between um, what we've been taught, you know, like you go from here to here to here to here to, to interface more with, you know, what is coming up through the uniqueness of that horse's needs and body and way of being, right? And that comes often with practice of like, you know, putting your hands on hundreds, thousands of horses and just, okay, you know, what does that look like to be in that sweet spot, you know, in, in between those spaces where I'm not uh, feeling constricted or restricted by this pattern of the way that I think I need to do things. Um, and I can start to, uh, have this like co-creation of a session, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And I think that is my, that's what I've learned a little bit about like the Beamer blanket, for example, is that you lose that piece. And so when I talk to horses, it seems that it's just, it has been recommended, I guess, to, to owners to just do like the longest time frame. So right. they'll show me, like, I, I actually have never used a Beamer blanket, but I know now that it has three levels. And because the horses will say like, I need this first one or this second one. And they very rarely choose the third. And it seems to me like with massage pads and Beamers and stuff like that, 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 that little piece of like, Oh, I'm starting to get a little bit overloaded or yep. whatever um, can be a little bit missed. So and not that it's, you know, that the blanket can't be effective, but maybe just mindful beamering with horses. <laughs> well, and it's different, right? If you're treating, you know, doing beamer or PEMF on a person, you're getting constant verbal feedback about what's occurring in the system. And like, for example, for me, I am so sensitive that she literally has to like reroute her cords. She can't actually keep the machine like on it's like regular setting because I can't even deal with the lowest setting of the regular setting so she has to like do this fandangling so that it is like less than that and that I can handle so absolutely I could see that you know for most horses why they would ask for these like lower lower settings because you know if if that um, the pulse is too strong. It's really overwhelming, you know, especially for those that are sensitive. Absolutely. Like I felt that when it was like really strong, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't sit here. <laughs> <laughs> 
is not going to work for me. Um, so yeah, I can completely see that. And this is a good conversation to have, right? So I think for each horse, it's going to be a little different and it's, it becomes even more imperative to be watching for, you know, ears, eyes, tail, like pain signals, like what's going on in that horse. Um, and, you know, are they able to unwind, um, and not because of shutdown and kind of learned helplessness, but like actually um, receive the the work and the and the frequency. So yeah, great question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this conversation really has sparked so many things for me because now I'm thinking about teeth and how yeah. <laughs> because like the thing because frequency stuff like the frequency affects the teeth and I learned through one of my horses who I tried PMF on and he absolutely couldn't handle it and I was like well why don't you like it and he's like well it's affecting my teeth and the organs that are affected to the that are connected to my teeth and then I'm like what do you mean organs so then I start looking up and I'm mm -hmm. like holy crap I had no idea that each tooth is connected to an organ and like that plays a huge role. And it makes me think of like, just how, and I don't know about you and your work, but I feel like a large majority of horses that I talk to have uh, imbalances in their teeth and like, they oh, yeah. just don't have full inclusion and it's so tough. And I feel like um, it's really cool. I don't know if this is just my personal bubble or if it's everywhere, but I've been seeing so much awareness on about feet and educating people about feet and the angles and, you know, all of this. And I'm just like hoping that like the next wave of education is going to be about teeth because I will say like, I have learned as much as I can. I feel like there's not a lot of like digestible information out there about teeth and even how like the jaw functions. Like I didn't fully know exactly what it looked like and what all the joints looked like until my neuromuscular dentist kind of showed me a skull from behind and mm -hmm. like chewed the edible for me. And I was like, oh, wow, because you hear that they only chew on one side at a time. And my mind would be like, well, how does that work? Like, and, and then I didn't understand like how the head could rotate or sink because of like poor occlusion. And then when I finally was able to see it, I'm like, man, so many more, I feel like there would be a lot more awareness about teeth and a lot more, um, I don't know if this is just how I feel, but sometimes I feel like there's not a lot of empathy for, um, for poor, teeth occlusion like like if a horse has a tooth issue and I say it sometimes people will be like oh well they got their teeth done six months ago and it's almost brushed off it's like there's not a lot of like okay this is an actual issue oh yeah yeah it's in it up here I mean um we're at a situation where it's like we can't even have natural balance dentists come it's it's like it's yeah been outlawed um and so it's tricky when the accessibility shifts to a point where you know only very specific people can get access to you know what I would consider um a more holistic sense of of the mouth and you know someone who understands um the you know, that whether the natural balance dentistry or whatever, but understands like the full function of the jaw and, and, um, yeah. And so often, I mean, it, it, like it's, it's such a controversial topic. It really is. And I think that's why it's so hard to find information about it. Um, because it is, it, yeah, like people just don't talk about it because number one, they get in trouble and, you know, um, it becomes this, this thing. And I, I know for my personal experience, like, um, it's common to see, um, poor occlusion, like you say, and a lot of horses have never had their incisors touched in any float. Um, so that changes the way that their, their molars are sitting, that changes the way that their side to side occlusion is occurring like their lateral occlusion. Um, and that's challenging unless they see a different type of dentist that probably will never get worked with. And so there's kind of this sense of, okay, well, we'll just work with everything else and try to do the best that we can and hope for the best with the float. And some, you know, some vets are better than others with that. Like I've seen, um, 
I've had certain horses that have had a ton of jaw stuff and I've told, you know, okay, needs to be floated. And they've had, you know, real change around. Absolutely. Like it definitely helps. Right. Um, but for some horses with unique scenarios, it can, it can definitely be more challenging. And I feel like I'm, I'm in the same boat. I would love to see more information, um, in more detail with more resources about, you know, how we can help. It is one of those tricky things because I think a lot of owners, it makes me wonder, like, I know I feel this way of like, you feel a little bit of a powerlessness um, because it's not like you're going to be able to go, I'm not going to go out and buy my own dentistry tools and start like doing my horse's teeth, right? Like, <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. And in I don't, I don't know many, like, I don't know anybody that, that necessarily would. So there's just this kind of sense of like, well, I can't do that. Um, so I've just got to rely on like what I have available, um, around me. And I know being like doing cranial work, like, yeah, often we're kind of working around jaws that aren't functioning well, it just, and it just becomes a part of the work, right? It's like, okay, like noted. And then, yeah, you'll be like, Hey, when was the last time they got their teeth loaded? It's like a month ago. <laughs> like, okay. Like we'll just do what we can. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, I, I don't know what else to say on that. Um, but yeah, totally controversial topic. And like you would love to see more information and more conversation about it. Cause it is like, we know, oh yeah, this affects the organs, but it also affects the hind end, it affects the back. It affects um, the way that it can use the thoracic sling. It affects their whole cranium. Like it's a, it's a huge thing, right? When that, when this isn't working for them. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, and um, like, I'm sorry. Is uh, it not available because they're, they're having only vets can do it? Is that yeah, what? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so years ago it, it was more available here and then, yeah, it's it, now it's like only vets. Um, mm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is fine in, in, in a lot of circumstances, but it can be more challenging in unique circumstances because typically they're not using hand tools using power floats, right? It's, it's just a different, um, level of nuance typically. Right. Yeah. And the horses are generally always sedated, right? So they're in a position physically speaking that can be challenging to see the function of the whole jaw, um, and how it's going to work for them, um, when they're moving and when, you know, when they're in function. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to have more information around it. And just so this is just something that random that popped into my mind. And I'm curious what you guys think about this. And I think this is just the phase of life that I'm in right now, where thanks to Amber, I'm like doing this generational dive right now and like mm. finding like my generational traumas. And um, it's like such a long story, but I was telling Amber that like, I've had acne my whole life. And she's like, well, you really like, you should look into like the generational stuff behind it and like what you're bringing forward. And so I like dove into my maternal line and, um, found like a lot of like not being able to, um, speak up and wanting to be hidden. Like my mom went by an alias at her like church camp. Like she didn't go by her real name because she wanted mm. to be like hidden and so I found that and I realized through animal communication and just doing this little inner dive that even dogs and cats have a lot of dental dysfunction. And while it doesn't affect their bodies as strongly as it does, in my opinion, uh, the horses, that there is a lot of um, dysfunction in the mouth. And it makes me think of like how much of it is like is generational and mm. us not feeling like we can speak like I know that when I first started my journey I had a very blocked throat chakra like I had a really I struggled with it and um I'm curious because our animals you know like I think of my thoroughbreds and how they've had like years and years of submission like bred into them essentially and then our dogs how you know, there's like sayings, like you're meant to be seen and not heard. Like, do you know, don't be barking when I'm busy. How much <laughs> of like, I know that there's like, you know, a level of education that goes into it, but I'm just like been diving into mm. more of like, well, how much of it is this too? And is this why we don't want to talk about it? 
That's such an interesting question. I've honestly never thought about it from that. I mean, I've thought about generational trauma and generational, um, you know, like what gets passed down the line. It's super interesting. I used to do an exercise in, in one of my courses where I would just, I would get people to bring a photo of their horse and then I would get them to pass it to their neighbor. And then we would do a visualization about generational influences. So we, I would say, okay, we're going to go back to where this horse and where this horse's ancestors were in the industrial age. Where were they in, you know, uh, war times? Where were they in like, you know, back and then, you know, like back, back, back before everything, before domestication. Um, and if then it's super fascinating, right? Like it was really interesting to see, yeah, the thoroughbreds, the drafties, like the Arabs, like all the differences with these horses, you know, the Arabs were like, oh, we were just like, so worshiped all the way along. So fabulous. <laughs> and you see like these four draft horses are like, oh my God, we really been through it. And, you know, like each horse having these different patterns and obviously like there's a uniqueness to each one as well right like it was very interesting when you know someone had a cross or like a more of a rescue type breed like these things came through this this exploration as well and and obviously not an exact science but just this sense of like you know where have horses been I mean they've had huge amounts of generational trauma not like you know still incurring you know um more and I think the past hundred years probably been a big chunk of it for a lot of horses, right? And um, yeah, like it's it's just really, I, I find it fascinating and I'm gonna think more on this question about teeth with that. Cause I, I do find, I mean, in my, in my human clients, like teeth is, and jaw are a huge thing. Like I have so many clients that come in and go, oh, I have jaw pain. Oh, I clench my teeth. Oh, when I'm stressed, I have all this, stuff in my jaw and my neck like it's so common right to have um, these patterns around clenching and like changes in the teeth um and you know what that means in terms of like well-being and stress and and all of this so yeah I'll think more on that for sure mm -hmm. yeah cool. curious if you had any minis in that exercise I didn't no Dang it. <laughs> I wish. I know. Oh my gosh, that'd be such an interesting little journey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you might have to do it in your next apprenticeship because yeah, I'm like so curious, like what you would say. And it's so funny because like one of the first clinics that I went to that Celeste was hosting, she was working with this like little pony and he was so sassy. And she was like, this is why you came back small because your personality <laughs> so big and you couldn't be dangerous like this is why you came back small and that stuck with me and I love it so much and now whenever my like mini is sassy I'm like man you must have been crazy in a past life because you came back small <laughs> I mean whenever I talk to a mini and I ask them what they look like have you done this like ask the minis that you work with what they think they look like honestly yeah, I've never done 15 hand quarter horse most of the time at least over 15 hands and sassy, you know, they, they don't think of themselves as little minis. Absolutely not. It's quite funny. Um, so yeah, this is why I want a mini like so bad. Um, I, I'm not allowed to have one right now. It's like, don't have a suitable situation, but one day, one day, mini, we're going to be together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We yeah. both have our token minis. So you need to get on board. <laughs> oh Yeah. I know a client offered to be like the cutest little like white, like a little white one the other day. And I was like, I just can't. I need to be responsible. <laughs> it's very hard. It's very hard to be responsible. Yeah. So no, well, the I, thing about having a mini is that it can't match your other herd. So it's got to be like the three chestnuts and an off-colored mini, my three black horses and a palomino mini. So totally. you have to get one that totally doesn't match. Well, that's my <laughs> thought. Like I was like, she's white. <laughs> it's a sign <laughs> but I asked her about it the, the mini I asked her about it she's like no I don't want to come to you she's like I love where I'm at I'm like okay fair fair you're not my mini that's cool I'm really glad we had this conversation 
awesome. Yeah, it's not time, not yet. Yeah, I'll keep you posted though someday. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll be all over my Insta. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a fun conversation. Hmm, totally. Yeah, it's great to meet you both. I uh, I was saying before the podcast that I I get to meet both these amazing ladies in June. Like so in person, real life. <laughs> I've actually never met me and Shaylee. I've never met in real life either, which is so bizarre because I oh feel goodness. like we've known each other our entire lives. People are like, you guys have like, no, I, have, I haven't met her, but I hadn't oh. met Celeste until a couple months ago, and it was just like, oh hi. And it's like people are like you guys have never met. We're like holding on to each other. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've never met. Amazing. So yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. We had so much fun. Um, if people want to dive deeper into your work and your classes and your apprenticeship and stuff, like where can they find you? Uh, yeah. So you can go to my website, which is uh, alexalinton.com. And most things are there. Uh, I am in the process of needing to create a new website, everybody. So be patient with me. I've I've literally got like so many comments and things on there, like, you know, spammy comments that I can't get into my back end at the moment. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm taking it as a sign. Um, but for right now, all the information is there that you will need. Um, and yeah, apprenticeship starts every year in September, because I feel like that's like, you know, the learning month. That's when you start school. That's just how my brain works. Um, so it's, yeah, six months uh September to March and I usually launch that um so you can keep your eyes open in July and uh yeah yeah everything else is there with cranial programs and things there's links there um and if you're on Vancouver Island you can come and see me for osteo because <laughs> nice. you know that's really fun yeah there you go and yeah you can always email me alexa at alexalinton.com and uh, I'm on Instagram at Alexa Linton. Easy. And you have your podcast. And I have my podcast. So listen, you can listen to that on Spotify or iTunes. It's called the Whole Horse Podcast. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Totally. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun. Oh, absolutely. This has been great. You're very welcome. Mm-hmm.